0: Okay, so most of you know, if not all of you know, I'm Deacon Chris, Mary, we serve together here at St. Pius, I've been here for a long time. So we're going to begin in prayer. And I chose this prayer from Father Pedro Arupe on purpose. So I will pray it, you can follow along, or even say it if you so choose. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Nothing is more practical than finding God that is, than falling in love in a quite absolute final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, who you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude fall in love stay in love and it will decide everything name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen yes so father arupe was uh the general something general of the jesuits uh, for those of you who don't know, he ended up with a stroke, and for the last number of years in his life, he was bedridden. and anyway, there are many that say that that was the greatest time of his own spirituality and the spirituality he shared with the Jesuits in that quiet place, held absolutely, firmly, completely in the love of God. So that prayer takes on a different significance, thinking about him and, and his journey. So as I said, we're going to begin this, I'll talk a little bit about Ignatius uh, just to kind of set, because this the, his spirituality is so practical and thought out according to this man's journey, according to all of our journeys through life. So understanding the sort of origins becomes a cornerstone to the practical aspects and the things we can perhaps adopt into our own lives. So Mary and I thought it, though we know it's a little bit of repeat for some We think it important. So your picture you have up there. Actually, so this picture and all pictures, you'll notice there's a wide variability in all the different paintings of him. It's because he was a very humble man. He did not sit for portraits. There's only one that some folks back in the day said, well, that one looks like him, and it was done by a good friend of his that was a a fellow priest in the Jesuits. But most of them are highly highly variable. But what this shows is this... uh, this armor and such that he has on here. So he was a man of the world from the get-go, born of a lesser nobility in northwestern Spain, I guess you would say, uh, to a family who had been given the castle de Loyola, the castle in Loyola, because of fighting, his father had fought on behalf of the crown, and so he earned this, this noble right of land ownership, if you will, and so that's why of Loyola. And Ignatius was going to follow in his the footsteps of his family, and accept as the thirteenth born into this family, he was going to accept this challenge of becoming a courtier, uh, a man of the world, a, a leader in the community. I mean, we would think in my own little pea brain, I would say going to prep schools, going up to the Ivy League, you know, plugging in at some high position of leadership in government or business, and sort of ruling from there in a sense. So. But in the case of Spain in the Middle Ages, very much in the ruling class, right? So he, he did all the schooling that was consummate to that position, and then he began following that path. So in his mid-teens, he goes and spends time with the finance minister for King Ferdinand or and Queen Isabella. So the de Cuellar family, he spends time in that in that. Uh, place as a page to the finance minister for the crown. That lasts for a number of years until he passes away and then his wife actually helps him find another place where he goes to the north of Spain, uh, the area of Navarre it's called, and he becomes uh, an assistant to the viceroy viceroy of that area, so the leader of that particular province, if you will, state, however you want to call it. So he continues this life of nobility all the way up into that time so he's born in 1491 uh, and all the way up to 15 i'm going to get it wrong so probably 26 years whatever that would be oh so 17 maybe so 15 17 somewhere up in there he's continuing this path well navarre goes to war with france so the french are going to take back over this province and the spanish are fighting to keep it and this is where his life changes So his whole life invested in this life of nobility and becoming a man of the world. He stands in the gap, so to speak, uh, there in Pamplona and Navarre. During the battle, he rallies his troops. They're fighting uh, loyally and well against the French and a cannonball takes out uh, his leg, one of his legs almost directly and kind of nicks the other leg. And he's laid out. Uh, Because of his heroism and the man that he was, the French honored him. They got him back to espetia where he was from, and he convalesces there in, in his hometown. So he convalesces for a period of time, and this is where he begins to rethink life and the purpose and meaning of life. Let me first say, sometimes I can reduce that life that I just described to just being of the world, but keep in mind that Middle Ages were a very faith-filled time, especially in Spain, as they fought the Moors, the Muslims, right? There was a very Catholic uh, sensitivity to things. I think there, somebody wrote that there were like 500 different Marian shrines throughout Spain. So Mary was really held close. Specific to Ignatius's life, there were several Marian shrines and Marian devotional things that they had in the home. So he had a very Mar- Marian sensitivity. And as the 13th born, he probably would have been headed for priesthood. He would have been eligible for or whatever, uh, but moving into the path of priesthood. But he chose not to. He chose his path. So it wasn't like he was an irreligious man, but his religion fit into his overall pattern, which was dedicated to the world. So during his convalescence, and this is where he, we begin to see this idea of spirituality unfold, As he lays in bed and he's laid up, the only books available to him through his sister-in-law who's taking care of him are The Life of Christ and The Life of the Saints. Uh, So those are the two books. He wants romance novels, novels of chivalry and, and battles and such. They don't have any, or at least she doesn't make those available. She makes The Life of Christ and The Life of the Saints available to him. So then as he lays there, he wrestles with, on the one hand, this life that he was envisioning for himself with fair maidens and battles and, and doing things in the court and then these saints that have done wonderful things, good things for God and he, and he recognizes that in, in both of those he finds a certain amount of, of consolation or excitement or pleasure or joy or excitement or whatever in both the adventures of the court and the adventures of the saints but he begins to notice that the adventures of the world once he quits thinking about them, quits reading about them. They sort of drift off and they leave him dry and hungry for more, sort of like an addiction would hunger for more. Whereas when he focuses on the saints and the life of Christ, he notices that same consolation, that same uh, faith, hope, and love that wells up within him, but it has more lasting capacity. He's, he stays there. He becomes a little different uh, in space and time, if you will, a little closer to God perhaps more in love, as uh, as, uh, Father Arupe's thing said. So in his convalescence, this is what he's finding, is this difference between should I dedicate myself to the world and continue the path I was on, or should I commit myself to God? And he thinks specifically of St. Dominic and St. Francis and others as his models. And at some point he decides, I'm going to go to the Holy Land, and there in the Holy Land I'm going to, I'm gonna serve God so that begins his sort of pilgrimage as he makes this commitment to to God the Father Um, so he goes from this life of action and many would say it's the transition is I am gonna do great things so as many of us start our lives I suppose I am gonna do great things then he gets to in his convalescence he gets to I'm gonna do great things for God so he makes that pivot and heads for the holy land the challenge he finds a little bit later in manresa spain so he goes across spain he goes to a benedictine monastery in montserrat and he unknights himself in a very purposeful way knights generally would sit vigil in front of the blessed virgin and then in the morning they would receive their accoutrements their sword and everything and be knighted he unknights himself he goes in front of the blessed mother gets rid of all his clothes gets rid of his sword gets rid of everything else puts on the sackcloth and leaves Montserrat, continuing his way to Holy Land, or yeah, to the Holy Land. But as he gets to Manresa, he realizes that I'm going to do great things. Though it has become I'm going to do great things for God, it's still I'm going to do those great things. So he's still filled with a certain amount of ego, ego or self-centeredness. Uh, though it is being done on behalf of God, it is still Him doing the work. So in Manresa. He begins to, to realize that and, and to further his conversion in prayer uh, and penance, self-imposed penance in big ways, serving the poor of Manresi, He tends to be there just a short time. He's there for 11 months as, his, as he truly converts uh, and comes to a better place. And it's there that actually he, he writes, he begins writing the spiritual exercises, which is what we'll talk about today. So as I said, he's a man of action, that becomes a man of faith. But he wants to remain a man of action, do great things, but he wants to remain, make sure that that is centered in, buried in the will of God the Father, so that God, the final process is God will do great things through him, that he becomes just a vessel. So knowing that he wants to be a man of action and a man still active in the world, but on behalf of God and live God's will into the world, he he begins these spiritual exercises. He doesn't want to be a monastic, in other words. A lot of the traditions at the time were monastic. He doesn't want to seclude himself in a monastery, uh, but wants to do God's work in the world. So the spiritual exercises is him looking back over his conversion from his time and convalescing and discerning the spirits what's good, what's not so good, what is of God, what is of myself or of the evil one, the enemy of good. And then on through manresa where he really fine-tunes that and i as i said documents it in spiritual exercises and if you get nothing uh out of today other than that that is a key takeaway the spiritual life isn't just sitting in sort of mystical prayer right ignatius would say no this is you know the sayings in the jesuits he went on to found the jesuits living with one foot raised is one of them moving forward In life, running full speed at perfection. It's an incarnate faith. It's a faith that's lived out in our lives, right? So he's very centered on that, but he realizes that just like when you exercise your body and build up muscles and build up skills and abilities to accomplish things physically, you have to do the same thing in the spiritual life. So he, again, he writes these spiritual exercises, which When I refer to those as uppercase spiritual exercises, he literally wrote the book uh, and it's very detailed and thorough and there are a lot of exercises to go through, it's sort of a compendium if you will. You can do them front to back or you can do them a piece at a time, but it's this idea of exercising your spirituality in a purposeful, practical way. Uh, he was actually very much challenged by that in Spain during the Inquisition. He's there during the Inquisition, and there's uh, common to Spain at the time where the Alambrados, the Enlightened ones or whatever, more of a Gnostic, and the Inquisitors, Dominicans primarily, were putting them in jail. Ignatius was in jail a couple of times, uh, once for kind of an extended period, because they were challenging him that this, was this a proper spirituality in a sense, or was it just sort of a Gnosticism? And he, he of course, withstood, or his exercises withstood all that challenge and were approved approved at the highest levels of the church over time. Um, so he does go on to form the Society of Jesus, uh, the Jesuits. But it, where, where I'll close my little opening and turn it over to Mary is being being Jesuit is being Ignatian. That's true, but being Ignatian isn't necessarily being Jesuit. Uh, being Ignatius, Ignatian spirituality flows through many of the many communities uh... religious and otherwise and the pieces and parts are very common to everyday people that practice the spiritual life the examine is the one i'd throw out right? you hear about the examine all the time well that's a piece of these spiritual exercises So, being jesuit may be being ignatian but being ignatian doesn't necessarily mean jesuit there's ignatian spirituality born of that life of of ignatius mary will use that to talk a little bit and bridge to content. Does that all make sense?
1: <laughs> Can you turn the uh, the next So as Chris said, you know, we tend to think of the Jesuits when we think of Ignatian spirituality but they are not alone in promoting Ignatian spirituality. So I'm gonna continue the history lesson a little bit here. So Ignatius uh, wrote, began to write the spiritual exercises in Manresa, in a little cave in Manresa, uh, 1522 to 1524. And fairly soon after was the Protestant Reformation. So this is going on at the same time. So in 1545 was the beginning of the Counter-Reformation, and the Council of Trent really was encouraging acceptance of these spiritual exercises to prevent that Protestantism. So the spiritual exercises were first published in 1548. So now I'm going to move forward. About 200 years later, around 1760s, the Jesuits themselves became suppressed. There was a lot of political upheaval in the church and in Western Europe. They were abolished by the Pope. So they went underground. They went underground. So during this time, Father Bruno Lenteri on the right-hand side, um, he was in Italy he began meeting with one of the Jesuit priests. It was Father Nicholas von Diesbach. (laughs) Anyway, um, Father Lanteri just had an extraordinary experience going through the exercises and receiving spiritual direction um, through this priest. And, you know, he wrestled with, oh my goodness, the Jesuits are suppressed. Now what do we do? Are they going to come back? Who's going to continue this awesome, Experience of the spiritual exercises. So then he began um, a congregation of the Virgin Mary. He felt very much, very much like Saint Ignatius actually, drawn um, by the Blessed Mother. So uh, he later began what was called what is called today the oblates of the Virgin Mary. So um, let's See. So their emphasis is solely on spiritual exercises, spiritual direction, preaching, offering missions and retreats, very careful to guide people on truth and love, <clears throat> which is paramount to the exercises. So I personally learned about the Oblates really just three years ago uh, when I was researching for my own spiritual uh, direction training. So, um, that's, and I go through the Lanteri Center, named after the Venerable Bruno Lanteri. So, he's also in hoping to be canonized. We're we're praying for that. So, is anyone familiar with Father Timothy Gallagher? Is, yeah. So, he's an oblate of the Virgin Mary. Um, so, I received my training through his order. Um, he's written many books on Ignatian spirituality, and they're very focused on Ignatian spirituality, um, so much like Father Land Terry, the tools that I gained in my nine-month experience with the spiritual exercise is just were, were very life-changing. So, um, and one final thought on that area is just that so interesting that the tools that were available or pushed through with Ignatian spirituality to uh, go against the Protestantism today, many Protestants today are are using those very tools to draw them closer. So, spiritual exercises. Like Chris said, you know, exercise. Why are they called the exercises? So, how many of us do exercises of our mind and our body? You know, I start at Wordle to get my head going, (laughs) my brain moving. So... But spiritual exercise, like Chris said, is not just, okay, this is my prayer time. I'm going to pray this today. It's going further. It's challenging our soul. It's stretching it. It's invigorating it, energizing it. And also, we do what's right for us in that exercise whether it's in our mind or our body. well, In the same way with the exercises, it is very prescriptive, which Chris will be talking about here uh, shortly, but it is also um, adapted to the uniqueness of the person. So, um, let's see. Here's the book of the exercises, and it's, you're looking at it, and it's like, oh, they're all paragraph numbers. What in the world is this all about? <laughs> but really, the goal of the exercises are to draw the retreatant closer to God, but not through a checklist, not reading the book. Um, the person is actually—he wrote materials and directives and notes and suggestions. That's what this is, but it's for a guide. It's for a director to guide the retreatant. It's not for a person to pick up and read. So I guess I could say it by or imagine this. So you're led by God more than than anyone in the exercises. But the retreatant, they're driving the car with the destination heaven, right? Well, your guide is your navigator. You're driving the car, but this person's accompanying you kind of helping you stay on track, helping you stay on track. But that guy doesn't take the wheel. They don't take the wheel, that you're, you're still going. Um, but they're drawing you, helping you see the presence of Christ on that path. They're your companion in faith that offers the support and encouragement and just really helps guide the driver towards their journey in heaven. So uh, the other thing I would add is that, He wrote the bulk of the exercises in that cave as we spoke about, but over 20 more years, 20 more years, he continued to refine that wording through his experiences and the implications of those experiences. Um, And his early companions uh, also had the burning desire to just share these exercises with many people as possible. Um, And it was originally written as a 30-day retreat. 30 days in a row. Well, not everybody could commit to 30 days in a row. So that's when at the beginning of the exercises there are 20 um, annotations. Um, So little notes to the director to tell you how to guide you. What's best for that person? Um, Now there's the 30-day. The 20th annotation is that original 30-day retreat. And that's usually uh, you're removed. You're removed. You're at a retreat center now. I haven't done a 30-day. That's a goal. <laughs> that's a goal one day. Um, Chris and I did what's called the 19th Annotation, and that's the one that mo- most people are familiar with. It's you're, you're going through the entirety of the exercises, but you're doing it over a nine-month period, usually September to May. But again, it's we're going at the person's, the retreat's pace. So um, ours was offered through St. Al's in in Spokane, but there's there's several other ways. Chris and I right now are guiding a few people as part of our um, instruction. So then there is also what's the 18th annotation, and that's kind of a condensed version, and honestly that's how I was originally introduced to the exercises. Years ago I saw online an Advent retreat, it was just four weeks. It was Advent. It was condensed, and I and it just kind of introduced me. They have uh, many different 18th annotations, condensed forms, or sometimes 12 week. There's a book, it, it, but anyway, my point is, it's a great introduction to the exercise and so, and some of those tools, um, and it really helps just uh, to start that way until. Uh, you're ready. If anyone has the Hallow app, Father Gallagher has a shortened version. That's an 18th annotation. That would be an example of that. But the different formats again are to meet the person where they are. It can be seen really rigorous. The the nine month is is rigorous. There's a big commitment involved, but you can always do the condensed version. So now Chris is going to kind of go through the movements of the exercises, just um, the movements, and then I'll come back and get into a little more practical on some of those tools within the exercises. And I'm going to tell you that it was very <laughs> hard <laughs> to condense this talk because there is so much to Ignatius, uh, Ignatian spirituality. That's why we opted to, um, to just say if you need it, further information to just jot that down and we'll get back to you. Because there's, there's a lot to this. I'll give that to Chris next.
0: Okay. It's, it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to talk through the exercises a little bit. So, but I want to preface it. Uh, so be watching. So two other taglines or things you'll hear about Ignatian spirituality. One is contemplatives in action. So you've probably heard that, and that's, that's a fancy term, I'm going to be a contemplative, some sort of mystic, right? But the, the idea of being a contemplative in action, being constantly contemplative in your life, is just this idea of making sure that as you move through life, you're keeping sort of God at the center of things. So when you make decisions, when you enter into a conversation, whatever, you're always trying to do that with God as your companion, Uh, the original name of the Jesuits for companions right this idea of companionship is strong Uh, so you exercise such that that happens naturally in life so to become contemplatives in action you practice by invoking exercises of a variety of kind right so that's number one the same would be seeing God in all things is the other thing that you hear Jesuits say I would say that that's in a sense the same it's this idea of contemplation being contemplative but it's rooting yourself in God and that just takes time effort and energy and it takes a little bit of dying to yourself so as I go through the movements of the exercises maybe one way to frame it in your own mind so that you can apply it to life in general is as the paschal mystery And and I'll use the Mass as an example, right? So we come into Mass, we prepare ourselves, we dispose ourselves to be there at Mass. We process in from our cars or whatever, we kneel to the tabernacle, we enter in prayer, we're disposing ourselves for what's ahead. We do the penitential rite. We become aware of the distance that has developed since the last time we were at Mass or the last time we thought about it, the distance that has developed between ourselves and God. So we spend a moment in time recognizing that and offering ourselves back into God's hands, right? So we dispose ourselves. We recognize the distance, our sin, if you will. But really, it's just this idea of distance. Then we receive the word of God. We are illuminated by Christ himself through the readings, through the word of, the God, God, word of God proclaimed, and then in dialogue in a homily. And then ultimately, there's this unit of peace where we join Christ himself in his passion, death, his resurrection, and the body and blood in the Eucharist. Disposing, and then offering our sins, being illuminated by the light of Christ, by his life, and then joining with him. Um, but a very purgative or uh, paschal mystery kind of flair to it, or rhythm to it. This is the exercises. So the opening days of the exercises are called just that, preparation days. I'm going to read a little paragraph just because I can't say it as good as some of the authors. Just as marathon runners do not begin a race with a sprint, we start the exercises slowly and gently. We till the soil a bit before doing any planting. In the first days of the full exercises, we consider the gift of God's ongoing creation in the world and in us. We pray for a spirit of awe and gratitude for the gifts of God in our lives. We hope to experience a deeply felt sense of God's unconditional love for us. So these preparation days are placing ourselves and sort of fine-tuning the image of God we have. Is he a loving, giving, caring, merciful God, or do we still hold some reservations to that? Is he a... a, uh, A punitive God a God that's always measuring our performance a God that's punishment oriented etc we we kind of clear our minds uh, as we enter into these disposition days to give you a flavor for the exercises I'm just gonna I've been following a format Mary and I are leading the exercises for a couple of people as part of training so we've been on this journey the last couple of years Um, anyway This is where it can apply to our own lives. The first thing that uh, Ignatius offers in this idea of the exercise in the disposition days is to set aside a space, set aside environment. And these are things we can do now just to advance our spiritual lives. You set aside an environment. So for me, it's a specific chair and a comfortable place. I have a couple of devotional items in front of me. I have a candle that I always light when I'm in prayer. Uh, But it is the physical space I enter into uh, to remind me that at this moment, at this place in time, I am contemplating God and allowing God to contemplate me living with God. But you create a space. I set aside a specific period of time to enter into that space. And then with the exercises, I have a particular curriculum that I follow. The reason I do all these things is because these are sort of objective measurements of what is going to be a very subjective experience. We're praying. We are entering into the life of Christ as we contemplate his scripture, or whatever we're trying to imagine, we're trying to meditate on that. That's all very subjective. You can't measure that. Did I do it well? Did I not do it well? But by setting up some sort of objective frame to go through, the space, the time, you can begin to measure. Boy, I didn't get up at five this morning and go to my prayer space, why didn't I? What kept me from doing that? Suddenly you have a way to sort of remind yourself to go exercise. So very deliberately in the exercises, uh, if you read them, Ignatius spells out exactly what those steps are, right? He's very defined in that. I'm gonna look at some annotations. Mary mentioned annotations uh, the other day or earlier. So additional directives. So just to give you again an idea of these are, even though they're in this compendium of exercises that as Mary said, you do over nine months, 30 days or in special things, they're just practical exercises we can learn to do every day, do some crunches. After retiring, just before falling asleep for a space of a Hail Mary, I will think of the hour when I have to rise and why I am rising and briefly sum up the exercise I have to go through. So he's telling you, before you go to bed at night, make sure you understand what you're going to pray about in the morning and you go to sleep with that on your mind. When I wake up, I will not permit my thoughts to roam at random, but will turn my mind at once to the subject I am about to contemplate in the first exercise at midnight. Well, that's a 30-day 30 30 day kind of format. I will seek to rouse myself to shame for the many sins by using examples, let us say, of a knight brought before his king and whole court, original exercises there are many versions of this written in more modern language but many of them are written around medieval examples um, let me find another one I will enter upon the meditation now kneeling now prostrate upon the ground now lying face upwards now seated now standing always intent on seeking what I desire hence two things should be noted if I find that I desire while kneeling I will not seek to change my position if prostrate i will observe the same direction and all i'm trying to just by reading those is give you a sense of this isn't mystical stuff right this is ignatius saying set some parameters for yourself get up on time do the ex- do do whatever it is that you're going to do in your prayer life part of the exercises or not you know the weekly gospel is one that's very common just or the daily gospel just read the gospels and reflect on those but do it in a very specified pattern so you build that practice of being present to Christ and Christ present to you. Does that make sense? So that's part of that's the spiritual exercises. I'll, I'll give you an example of a, of a prayer unit. So uh, Ignatius is very big on praying for what you desire. Uh, in our deepest desires, we actually find God's desires for us so we try and get clarity of mind and heart around what we are longing for ultimately we are longing for him and ultimately he is longing for us so in our desires so at the very start of a prayer unit it'll say on here the grace that i'm asking for this morning is to ask for what i desire a deep confidence and trust in god's care and nearness so as you enter into that moment in your prayer spot you've set aside You make sure you say that you say that out loud you say that to jesus himself if you so what am i desiring what grace am i reaching out to you for this week or today but you say it um, so that both you and he know and are in your hearts uh what you're actually asking for this particular was the first prayer you know the disposition days and you'll see the exercise are organized around it. There's a theme at the top. This week's theme was God, who is mother and father to us, is so much more than we can imagine, loves us and cares for us personally. Trying to form this image of God, then praying for that grace, and then there's a scripture reading a day for the whole week where you keep that theme and you keep that grace in mind, but you reflect on the scriptures that are laid before you uh, and come out of it on the other side. So again, all very practical stuff. I mean, not, not, uh, yeah, not Thomas Merton and reading some deeply mystical reflection of his own. So, and as Mary said, they're kind of prescriptive. Anyway, so we do these disposition days. We set up our routine and we stick with our routine. So here's where we move through these other uh, movements, if you will. The very first week then is that idea of as I said in mass recognizing where we've some distances grown between God and ourselves having having recognized God's boundless generosity to us in the disposition days we naturally face our own limited response we let God reveal to us our sinfulness and need for conversion we acknowledge how we have misused God's gift of freedom with God's help we recognize and understand the patterns of sin in our lives We do so in the context of knowing deep down how much god loves us and wants to free us from whatever that gets in the way of loving god others and ourselves that is of everything that makes us unhappy we pray for the grace of embracing ourselves as loved sinners we keep our gaze fixed always on god's mercy in our spiritual lives we should always take that time right we tend to beat ourselves up ignatius ended up doing all kinds of damage to his body (laughs) and offering penance uh, to our Lord to the point of almost killing himself a couple of different times in Manresa. A little above and beyond, I would say, not something we would practice today. But this idea that we do is we look at how much God loves us, Uh, it's kind of as Bishop Barron did a reflection on, you're in your car and you're driving down the highway. Over time, the windshield, the bugs build up on the windshield When you're facing into the sun, suddenly those bugs are just blinding, right? You see them so much. So the more you turn into the sun, the more you turn into the light, the more you see these bugs on your windshield. It's the same thing here. You have that sense of sinfulness, uh, and maybe that's even too strong a word. To let that go and to just recognize that in our humanity, we sometimes create distance between ourselves and the perfection that God is. God still loves us and offers us all the forgiveness uh, but that's the state that we tend to exist in. And so this week one uh, is moving through that, and they call it purgative sort of state, the same that we do in Mass when we do the penitential rite at the beginning. Lord, I am sorry. So then we move into a second week, uh, and having experienced God's faithful love now, we are moved to respond with greater generosity. We want to love and serve God and others more. We pray through the life of Jesus Christ presented in the Gospels. We ask to know him more intently, intimately so that we can love him more dearly and follow him more nearly. We come to appreciate Jesus' values and his vision for, of the world. So this is where we reconnect with the incarnate nature of our faith. I can't say that enough. Jesus himself, second person of the Trinity, becomes man for us. And we live our lives for him. It's this very incarnate thing. So we've moved through our disposition, made ourselves available, recognizing the, God's love. And then we recognize our distance. We overcome our sinfulness. And then what do we want to do? We want to do the work of Christ. We want to love others. We want to love ourselves. We want to be better husbands, better wives, better neighbors. And so then this next week, and this is really the longest period of time that's spent in the exercises in their formal sting is just gospel passage by gospel passage picturing ourselves in those passages and learning from Jesus himself who became one of us how to love and how to love in reality um, so that's the second week and then the third and fourth week are this unitive of peace where we're, where we're with him through his suffering and death and then we're with him in his passion, and then ultimately his resurrection. So the Paschal mystery. And I'm not gonna go into detail on those just because I'm running low on time. And I wanna make sure we, Mary has some details of those that she wants to cover.
1: Yeah, the only other thing I might add is, you know, you heard Chris refer to weeks. These aren't calendar weeks, I'm sure you've (laughs) figured that out by now. These weeks are, they could be anywhere from uh, four weeks to six weeks um, of the exercises themselves. Like typically the disposition time is like six weeks. (laughs) And our first week is going to be about four or five weeks. So it's not a calendar year. That would be the only other thing. And then he showed an example of a prayer unit. There's so many beautiful resources for, your, uh, for the directors. So I use kind of a combination, and I'm praying, you know, that week, what's going to speak to my retreat this week? And I might pull from a couple different, and, that w- and we have that um, availability to us as well. So... I'm going to get into some practical stuff and I'm going to really try to get <laughs> through it so that you understand it and that I don't speak too quickly. Um, <clears throat> so there really isn't enough time to give it justice, but we're going to try our best. So St. Paul I noted in Corinthians um, that they were they were babies, babies in the faith and in the spiritual life, incapable uh, of discerning he uses the word discerning and in philippians again he says it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment in the spirit so that you may discern what is best discern the sermon in spirit so remember I said, you know, we have our retreat and drive in the car, right? And then the guide is next to them. Well, uh, that guide is using a MAPS program, right? Well, that's called Discernment of Spirits. They're helping guide that retreatant to what feelings are coming from God that they might be experiencing in prayer and those things that are leading them away. And... Um, And it's a prayerful, prayerful way where you're making choices in your everyday life. Very much those feelings like Ignatius had, those things that were leading him close to God when he was thinking about the saints, that was peaceful, those things that led him away from God. And we can use that in our everyday life. And that's just, we can do that now. All of us, we can do that now. So um, <clears throat> there are two great tools that I will kind of focus on today, and there, there are many. And these are within the spiritual exercises, but that you, we can also do them alone. I know um, you know Chris and I do it all the time, we, and we encourage our retreatants. Actually, we ask them to do them. <laughs> but um, Father Len has talked it, about it quite often. It's called the Examine Prayer. Generally done um, in the evening, every evening, the Jesuits and the Oblates do it at least twice a day. I find myself sometimes, if I feel a stirring, I'll stop my day and say, okay, where, where is this coming from? I go deep, where is this coming from? So the other thing I was so happy to hear, um, I just heard on like the Vatican News or whatever that, Saint, or that Pope Francis is leading, uh, is, is talking about discernment in his audiences. He started in August and he's kind of doing a series on it. And, you know, and then I stopped and thought about it. I thought, wow, discernment, it's, it's always necessary, but wow, how necessary it is today. And I say that because our world is changing so much. We're getting all this information out at us. Social media, there's anger, people, with all this change going on in the world, we tend to hold on to. We, we try to control things. And, um, you know, I'm going to stay with all who I agree with. But sometimes we just forget about the goodness of truth um, that's just by God, that's through Christ. And, you know, we cling to all those external op- uh, appearances. You know, I'm this or I'm that. and We have labels for ourselves. But we hear in First Samuel, God does not see as man sees, for man sees the appearance. But the Lord looks into the heart. The Lord looks into the heart. So I say that because oftentimes we think when we're reading scripture, like we think of Bible study. But no, we're going from our head to our heart. What's stirring in me when I'm reading those Gospels? What's stirring in me in that in that scripture? What is stirring in me throughout my everyday life experiences? So we're trying to see uh, discernment deep in the heart, and we're trying to see things as God would see it. So, um, you know, as Chris was saying, in that first week, we hear the many ways that we've turned away from God in in our lives and uh, since the beginning of, of time. But we have an opportunity to also see how merciful he is to you and me. And I love that about the sermon. It's a huge tool. It's a huge tool that involves us sifting through all these movements of the day and movements that we might be feeling. And it just really helps us to trust in God, not ourselves in the world, but to really act in a more loving and charitable way. And that's where that contemplatives in action comes in as well, right? We're not just saying contemplatives. We're contemplatives in action. We're being loved in the world. So um, that really, that's a huge tool that really I use constantly. It has changed my life. Um, So I would encourage you to look a little more into that. And I can (laughs) all, boy, we could do two, at least two or three days just on discernment of spirit. So I'm going to just touch on a couple little things. One simple recipe to get started in discernment is there's three steps: be aware understand, take action. Be aware, understand, take action. So being aware is stopping. Aware of those spiritual experience, those movements going on in your heart, deep inside. And I'm not talking happy. I'm talking joy, peace. We're, we're trying to, you know, it starts with all that, all that sifting through. Our feelings. Then we uh, try to understand them, name them. <laughs> Do I feel fear? Do I feel doubt? Do I feel worry? Do I feel joy? Do I feel happy? What makes me feel content? What's bringing me closer to God? What's bringing me away from God? That fear and worry is drawing you away from God, that he wants your peace. So then we take action. We accept those things that are leading us closer to God, and we reject those things that are not. I know that's easier said than done. Um, you know, oftentimes, th- that's where you're a, a director might help you discern those, but there are a lot of tools that you could read or listen to that we'll talk to, to about a little later that, that could help you weed through that somewhat. Um Oftentimes, I'm asked, so how do I know it's God talking to me when I sit down in prayer? And uh, and that is, that's a tough one for us oftentimes. We're like, oh, is it, is it just my thoughts? Or we have that self, that negative self-talk. God's not going to talk to you with negative self-talk. So... Uh, you can just stop and listen. I think Chris talked about that conversation with God. So when you're sitting, you're having a conversation. You're talking out loud. <laughs> For me, I have to talk out loud. And, but it's acknowledging. I know he knows your heart. But sometimes when we really name things, it feels more true. It feels more, this is what I am feeling now. So as you're doing that, You don't just keep talking, you're stopping and listening. You're listening to what God is saying. So God, there's just a couple things. Um, God stills you. The enemy is going to rush you. God reassures you in your prayer. The enemy is going to frighten you, give you all that fear. God is going to lead you. The enemy's going to push you. God enlightens you. The enemy's going to confuse you and have you going in a million different ways. God forgives you. The enemy's going to condemn you. The enemy's going to try to condemn you. God calms you. The enemy's going to stress you, stress you, stress you out. God encourages you enemy's going to discourage you and God comforts you and the enemy's going to keep trying to put worry 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 so you have that be aware understand and act and then you have this conversation with God those are things that you can do and you can use those tools when you do your examine prayer and I'm just going to touch on the examine prayer quickly Um, It usually only needs to be about five, ten minutes a day. Um, It's not a rote prayer, as I said. It's it's that conversation with God, asking God to help you look back on your day with his eyes. With his eyes. It's eyes of mercy. It's not a time of belittling yourself and beating yourself up and doing all that. It's a time of seeing your day God's eyes so the essential components of it we always start with gratitude we name the blessings of the day the little graces of the day and then you just replay your day in prayer you just sit and kind of go through and then start bringing those strong inner movements to the surface that's that awareness I was talking about you start bringing those you know gee When I had this experience that day, I was feeling that really bothered me. That was not a good, something was going on. Or something that brought you joy. You're kind of going through that. And then you're going to pick a couple of those strong movements throughout your day. Um, And just ask God to help you understand them so you're going to be aware. And then you're going to understand them. What, What drew me closer to God? And what drew me... Away from God, so then you you rejoice and you seek forgiveness. So um, first of all, you're going to thank God for just even bringing them up for that awareness in your life, and then ask Him where you cooperated, help you see where you cooperated with His graces, and then maybe where we could do a little better tomorrow. So I'll give you a couple examples. So I ran into, you know, I'll say, I ran into so-and-so today. They went on a rant about blah, 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 and I just blew my cork. (laughs) I was so unkind. Why did I open my mouth? (laughs) So I asked for forgiveness. Lord, I ask for the grace of forgiveness and kindness and patience tomorrow. Help me to see better and to do better. Another might be I cooperated with God, Your Grace, today when I had that courage to not be drawn into that negative conversation. You know, at the Thanksgiving table with my whole family, (laughs) you know, I was able to just speak the truth in love, but not in anger and resentment and just fear. You know, and just, and then we can just really think about that helps you. See where you were drawing closer to God in that peaceful place, and those things the enemy was attacking you and drawing you away from God with all the anger. And something else that you know I often do is when I have a thought like, Okay, I acted this way or that way, hmm, maybe I should have done this, that, 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 and then I tell my I ask myself, What, what? motivated me to act that way what was my motive was it out of love you know or was it out of anger that's a great question to ask yourself as you're doing that daily prayer and then just sit and talk to God ask for forgiveness and say I'll be trying harder tomorrow and what's so interesting I know that the more I do my examine prayer That next day, I'm way more aware. (laughs) I'm way more aware when I'm like, "Uh." (laughs) close your mouth (laughs) or or things of that nature. Or going out of my way to be more kind and to show more love to someone, to have that patience for someone. Um, Anyway, and then you just close. You close with the Our Father, um, that prayer that he gave us. There are many forms of the examine prayer. Um, there's couples examine, there's family examines, um, there are, are all different forms. So now, I'm going to be running out of time, so I'm going to try to go in quick motion here. But then they also, uh, Ignatius gave us, and this is part of the exercises, it's huge. They're called 14 Rules of Discernment, Discernment of Spirits. Again, it's the spiritual survey, um, stirrings, not your everyday, I'm happy, I'm sad. Um, it's a more intense um, uh, rules, Rules. things to look for. Uh, they were created again to for the spiritual direct, directors in the exercises, but these are things that we can use. And Father Timothy Gallagher, whom I mentioned earlier, has podcasts that are specific to this. It's like, Hours long <laughs> you would have to do, but it's really good. He has all kinds of books which I can share with you on discernment of spirits in marriage, discernment you know in everyday living, but it's they're very helpful. Um, I'm going to do a very quick short summary here, and again I would encourage you to um, to focus um, in your in your own prayer time. So there's 14 rules. And first and second, it's really on being aware, being aware and be ready. Uh, Evil spirits are going to bite you, try to bite you, but it's being aware of that. When you're trying to do good, there is going to be a spirit that's going to try to bite you. That's kind of a very abbreviated version. (laughs) Um, Three and four really focuses on the definitions and how to understand spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation. You know, the spiritual consolation, this is different than just consolation. Spiritual consolation is that inflaming love, that feeling of of faith, hope, and love, that peace of my soul, that tranquility that's very deep. Spiritual desolation that's different than depression, I need to make that clear it's different but this it's this turmoil going on it's that decreasing uh, feeling of faith hope and love ah oh, you know I don't think I'll do prayer today or it's something that's it's separating you from God it's a feeling of separation from God so that distinction really matters <laughs> I do want to say and those podcasts and other things that really go into it I'm going to skip through Five and six, the 5th and 6th one. So when we're in that that desolate feeling, we don't make changes. We don't make changes in our prayer life. We don't make big decisions. But we don't make, I'm going to say it again, (laughs) we don't make changes in our prayer life. Our temptation is to do less prayer. I'm not going to pray today. Darn it, you just sit there for an hour if you have to. (laughs) You don't make a change. Um, There's times, you know, the other thing is that's a good time to even do a little examine prayer. What's going on? What's going on? Why am I feeling that way? And it's drawing me away from God. What's going to bring me closer to God? It could be you can do a a little act of penance, do something kind for someone. Just sit there and say, that's what I'm going to do today. More prayer. Add on five more minutes of prayer (laughs) instead of less Prayer. It's so easy to throw in the towel, but be ready and it really focuses uh, rules 5 and 6 really focus on, on that. Um, rules 7, 8, and 9, I'm just going to go through real quick, is that in desolation one always has sufficient grace to turn from the agitations and temptations in the trial. We always have sufficient grace And we always have to remember, we're going to have a return of that that consoling feeling. We're going to have a return because we don't want to go in that spiral. God's not going to leave you there, but 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 you're going to keep praying. You're going to be vigilant in that time. And um, the only other thing I would say is that you know, oftentimes it's it's a suffering time in desolation. We're like, oh, you know, it can be a wake up call for us as well. It might be an invitation to God saying, try this prayer a little different. Go a little longer, and um, and it helps us grow. I have to say, more times than not, desolation helps you grow. There is there is something. All things work for the good of those who love them. 10 and 11, we're going to store up our goodness. We're going to store up those consolations for when when that desolation returns. I know for me, I write in my little journal every day, my... Gratitude and things that ways I uh, cooperated with his grace. And when those times are not found, oh <laughs> I pull out my journal and re- just kind of revisit those ways that I felt his grace and how good he is. Um, and t- let's see, on 12, 13, and 14, they all really focus on the temptations of the enemy. And the, sh- and the strong um, takeaway for me on that is, is just knowing yourself. The enemy tends to attack us in our weakest point. So what's your weak point? Is it doubt? I'm always doubt, doubtful. I'm always a worrier. worrier. I, uh, I get angry quickly. My emotions jump out at me. That's where the enemy's going to get you. So the quicker you know that, the quicker you're going to dismiss it and you're gonna act in a different way. So that's a very quick, brief review (laughs) of those 14 rules that are very deep. Um, But the important things that I would say to remember are, there's no shame in that spiritual desolation. See it as, um, we're gonna reject it, we're gonna reject the enemy, but we're also gonna see how it's making us stronger. And allow God to work in you. Surrender. So often we want control, but surrender is so important. It's as they say in scripture, set the captives free. <laughs> do it. Uh, be grateful and name the graces all the time where he's working, and name the graces you need and those desires, especially as we, we go through the exercises. That's something we do. So... Um, just in closing, I would step back on to Ignatius's life. So what would Ignatius' life have been like if his eyes weren't opened in that little room in uh, Loyola? What would his life have been like? You know, what would be, have been different in my life if I didn't discover the exercises? What would have been different in the life of his com- companions? And so one man's eyes were opened, and it had a ripple effect, and that's where you and I, um, we could have that ripple effect as well. We can be those contemplatives in action if we allow that. So we're that's almost. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. We're pretty oh. close to time. I know. So again, that's, that's just going back through a, a review, a little bit of so Ignatius <laughs> and the gifts he gave us in this idea of the exercises. And and honestly, so spirituality can be a very practical thing uh, as well as being a beautiful and abstract and subjective experience of God himself, right? It it begins with ordering our lives so that that can happen. Uh, so it is work. We've got to put work in a little bit. That's a little bit of the takeaway. You know, we won't go on and on. I uh, We're trying to figure out exactly how to leverage resources so that if people are interested in the spiritual exercises and et cetera, how, how we can help make that happen and point people in the right direction. So again, if you have different interests, we actually did the SEAL, the uh, Spiritual Exercises in Everyday Life is what that sounds or stands for. Out of Spokane, they kick off a cohort every September, or they have been. You know, I joined a group that is out of Santa Monica. I think there's one out of San Jose as well that are organized and they, they take people and do the exercises. Uh, the group we're doing out of Santa Monica is probably 30 or 40 people from all over the West that are signed on to that cohort. So there are opportunities to do the exercises in that nine-month format, and then perhaps we'll look at ways to do it here in the in the smaller. Uh, Immaculate Heart has a lot of Ignatian retreats. You'll see them on there. Oh, a three-day Ignatian retreat, an eight-day Ignatian retreat. All of those up there, same kind of thing. So there are ways to plug in. There are a lot of great resources online. Um, And we're
1: often asked, you know, about spiritual direction. That's a tough one because we don't have a lot of spiritual directors um, close by. We have some, but not a lot. But um, through mine as well, Lanteri Center, it's out of Denver, but they they, um, will provide spiritual direction online if you don't mind the Zoom. And actually, when we went through Seal, and we had to meet with our spiritual director every week, it was during COVID, so we weren't allowed to meet in person. Ours was on Zoom. I did not feel like it, it, it any harmed me in the least. Well, I, <laughs> it I, really actually, started.
0: Mary's group out of I'm, I have a spiritual director out of Lanteri it, now. Yeah, that he it, has that's, his directors. Out that's offering Lanteri. me direction. So that's the way I'm doing it with with a priest down there.
1: Really anyway,
0: nice. so express interest. We can offer time for questions. It's five after, so we've kept everybody late. Mm-hmm. If there's no burning questions, please feel free to come to us individually.
1: Well, this is the spiritual exercises, but this would, this would be um, the guide for the spiritual director. So I would not recommend that, but I would recommend if you wanted to learn more, and I could send this out, um, this is called Stretched for Greater Glory. It's not a great name because it's, again, it's that exercise. We're being stretched <laughs> for greater glory. This is an introduction to the exercises. Um, if you're considering doing the exercises, it kind of it helps. It's a good review of what, what we spoke of today Stretched for Greater go- Glory. This is, um, it's a Jesuit, George Ashenbrenner. I also have some other books up here if you want to take a picture of it, even from Father Gallagher. Um, this is on meditation and contemplation, an introduction to Ignatian prayer, discernment of spirits. Um, so if you want to take a look at any of those, this is one I had um, ordered. This is a 12-week Ignatian retreat. It's that good introduction the eighth, um, of the 18th annotation. I just went through it because I'm praying about if this is something, you know, that we might want to do here. So, um, anyway, if you have any interest or would like any resources, one, one of our thoughts was maybe even starting an Ignatian, you know, email group. At <laughs> least start there, and we can start sending those resources out. I understand there was an Ignatian prayer group here at some time, or still is, or... Um, anyway, if anybody has information or would like to resurrect that
0: all right let's close in prayer the father son holy spirit this prayer is attributed to ignatius uh, and we'll say it together take Take lord Lord, receive receive all all my liberty my memory my understanding understanding, and my entire will will. all All that i have have. and possessed you have given given all to me to to you you, lord I i return it All is yours. Dispose of it wholly according to your will. Give me your love and your grace that is sufficient for me. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, this is Father Len
1: McMillan. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. If they've been a blessing to you, I'd also like to invite you to prayerfully discern supporting the podcast financially. Your generosity would help support the ongoing production and distribution of the podcast. If you'd like to make a donation, you can simply click the link in the podcast description. Be sure to tell us your donation is for the podcast in the comment section of the submission form. Again, thank you for your support as we seek to share the good news of the gospel May God bless you for your generosity.